time. Hallelujah. So tonight, can you please stand with me as we welcome Julie to come and minister the Word of God. And we want to welcome Greg too. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. Let's give the Lord a hand. Father, we honor you. Yes, Lord, we worship you. We thank you that you are faithful. And Lord, tonight, even as we come to share, Lord, I thank you stir in our hearts again. Lord, for many that maybe have got prophetic words or promises that haven't happened. And Lord, that there's been discouragement and disappointment. Let us hang on to the hope that you've given. And when you speak a word, it comes to pass. So Lord, I thank you right now, Lord, for your word tonight, that it'll encourage, it'll bring revelation, it'll bring life. And Lord, that we will never give up on the promises. We love you and we know that you love us in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. Well, it's so awesome to be back here with you. We've missed you all uh, being away. It's just awesome to see your lovely faces again. And um, you, yeah, you guys did it tough here. So we, yeah, it was, anyway, that's gone. Forget the former things. We're on to the new things of what the Lord has. And, and it's good days and good news. You know, God is good news. Come on. He, I love it. He says he's anointed us, you know, to, to make a difference, to be a light. And we should be the best. It says how lovely are those that come over the mountains and the, how lovely are the feet of those. So we can't see our feet. It's pretty cold. But how Hopefully you can't see your feet, it's a bit cold. But how lovely are those, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring, they come over the mountains. And I really felt the Lord speak that, that those that come over the mountains is the mountains of stuff, that we don't get bogged down. The world wants to bog us down with stuff, with issues and things. And he says, how lovely are those that bring good news. Come on, you're supposed to bring good news. We're not there. You know, the media bring enough bad news that they're not coming. We are to bring good news. And so tonight, you know, living in fullness this whole weekend, we're excited to be here. And we love that as a church, you've prepared the way. You know, you've gone into a time of, of prayer and fasting and God responds to that, to our sacrifices. And so I believe, you know, our part's going to be easy now. You've done the hard work, prepared the way, fasted, prayed, believed God. And so it's going to be an awesome weekend. God's going to do some incredible things. But as you come into this meeting, we need to know I'm not just, you've set aside the time. You're not just coming to a meeting. Come on. We're coming to encounter God. We're coming for the presence of God. And we're coming. You make a demand on that anointing that I'm going to receive a shift in my life tonight. Come on. From the beginning tonight, I'm going to receive a shift. I need a shift in my life. I need a shift in the nation. We need a shift in our communities. And so we have to be expect. God responds to our faith. Come on, to what expectancies that you have. So tonight, I'm going to share a word. To live in the fullness, you've got to have this in your heart, that quitting is not an option. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, quitting is not an option. 
The enemy wants you to quit. He wants you to give up your post. If you're going to live, he never wants you to live in the fullness of God. He doesn't want you to, to get into that place. of Because if you get in the fullness, there's a level that we get to where there's no turning back. You walk in the fullness of God. You come into everything of God. You get more victories than you have setbacks. And then you suddenly you've got a few victories under your belt and it gives you the strength to go on and to live in that place of fullness of God. But there comes a time where you have to decide in your life that quitting's not an option. I'll never quit on God. I'll never quit on my faith. I'll never quit on what he's called me to do. And in um, 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, this is to me, he says, I have fought the good fight. So he called it a good fight. And then he calls it a good fight because it's his fight that God had for him. And when you understand, when you look at Joseph, he had a fight that he had to fight. But then he come into the fullness of what God had for him. I mean, sometimes you don't really, in the time, you don't understand. It's like, you know, Joseph got this incredible word of all he's going to do, all he's going to be, and then it went pretty downhill from there on. Come on, everything just got worse for him. But he knew there was a time, I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race and I've kept the faith. So it's a good fight, the fight that you're in because God knows what's good for us. He knows what needs to come out of us. He knows what we need to do. Come on. He knows what needs to be pushed out. He knows how much you can handle. He says he'll never give you any more than you can handle. I don't know. Sometimes it feels more, doesn't it? <laughs> it takes a bit of convincing. Never give me more than I can handle. I don't know. Sometimes, it, but he never, you know, you said, I couldn't have another week like that. You know, someone said, I couldn't do another day like that. And then a year passes and two years pass and, and you're kind of like, but it's a thing is just keeping ourselves going and understand. See, yeah, everything happens up here. You know, the more that I've been studying, and that's why God talks about, you've got to overcome your mind. Come on, you've got to overcome those thoughts. You've got to replace those thoughts of quitting and remove it from your vocabulary that I will never quit. I'll never give up on the purposes. Hebrews 10, 35 says this. So do not throw away, and I love what it says in here, your confidence. In other words, courageous faith. Don't you love that? Don't throw away your courageous faith. Because why? It will be richly rewarded. See, God always richly rewards us. He doesn't have us go through stuff and give us nothing. There's always a reward. That's who it, There's always a reward in your life. There's such a breakthrough. And as you're going through life, it talks about you begin to produce fruit. And then as you go along further, you might have thought it's just about you. But after a while, then you see the generational fruit. Come on. You see it in your children and your children's children. And then you begin to see it in people's life. If you just stay long enough, you will get fruit. Come on. And then it makes it a little bit. So it says that you'll be richly rewarded. But here comes the clause. It says, you need to persevere. Uh-oh. Come on. It says, yes, you'll be richly rewarded, but why? You need to persevere if you're going to be richly rewarded so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. Come on, there, God's word. When you've done the will of God, not your own will, 
when you've done the will of God. See, a lot of times we get off on our own tangents and we're wanting God to bless us and do something like but we're not in his will. It says when you've done the will of God, when you've done that, you will receive what he's promised. And then it goes on in verse 39. But I actually like verse 39 from the Passion Translation. It says this, but we are certainly not those, and this is getting this in your heart, I am not one who are held back by fear and perish. We are among those that have faith, faith and experience true life. Come on. We are not. You're not someone that holds back. You're not someone who pulls back from fear and perishes. Come on. We are among those who have faith and experience true life. And then in Romans 10, 17, it says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now, we all know that scripture. It's an oldie but a goodie. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So in other words, my challenge to you tonight is what are you hearing? Come on, what are you hearing? What are you listening to? What's the main voice? What's the main theme of what you hear? Are you hearing faith? Are you hearing the word of God? Are you hearing that I'm an overcomer? Come on, hearing what God says in his word. Is that what you're listening to? See, whenever anything's happening in my life, I will always go back to the Word of God. That is our anchor. It's the truth and it's what we base our life on. But so many of us now, we're into Google. Come on, Google is our faith. We believe everything that Google, we Google everything. Google a sermon. <laughs> Come on. We Google everything Instead of whenever you're struggling. And it's so easy today. You, I remember when I first began, we had to get out the big concordance. You had to have a whole table to, to study because you got out the concordance and this Bible and that Bible. And you'd have to look up the word of what you wanted to hope or faith or whatever. You'd have to go, I wouldn't be able to read it today, sadly. My eyes are, well, I could with glasses, but that's the good thing about iPad. You can make it bigger. And bigger. Yeah, and you had to write it all down. You had to sit there and write. Now you can just cut and paste. There's no excuse. Come on. Absolutely no excuse. We've got it so much easier, but we're slacker. When it's so much easier, cut and paste. All you've got to do now is go to your Bible. If you lack faith, if you're having trouble with fear, if you're having trouble with greed or disappointment or discouragement, all you've got to do is go to your little app, type the word in, and then every scripture will appear before you that's in the Bible. And then you've got to take a hold of that word. Come on, this is how you overcome the enemy. Not by listening to, well, uh, I've got this or I've got that or I'm struggling or I'm stressed. Can we talk ourselves? into so much stuff today. And by reading and listening to what everyone else is saying, you take that on board. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling a bit that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I am feeling like that. Come on, you, if you start to get symptoms, you can Google it and you'll be pretty convinced that you've got cancer or you're dying. <laughs> it's true. I've watched so many people do it. Oh, yeah, I got that and I got that. And oh, yeah, I've been thinking like that. Yeah, I must be going crazy. 
You can do it. But whenever you've got a, a negative thing or something, you've got to replace it with the promise of God. You've got to replace it with the truth. The Word of God is living. It's powerful. Come on. It's a two-edged sword. What I love that about is when you read the Word of God, it's a two-edged sword. It divides your soul from your spirit. So usually when you're operating in negative, it's the soul, which I believe it's the mind. And you've got to replace those things thoughts with positive thoughts. You've got to replace those things. What is God's word say about your situation? Same as the prophetic words. If you've received prophetic words, what is God's prophetic word over your life? What has he spoken? You need to take them. The Bible says in Job 22, 20, you decree a thing and it shall be established. Don't say, well, you just pray once and believe and it happens. You've got to keep decreeing until something happens. You've got to keep decreeing until there's a shift in your mind, till there's a shift in your situation. You've got to be militant until something changes. You know, we had some friends who were in the US and really doing it tough, giving their life to the Lord, all of their life, from a young age, pastoring a church, took up, they left a, a position and took up this little church in a place and we're doing great things, but I want to tell you, it was a hard road. Nothing ever went right for them. The ministry, they had no money, they were barely surviving financially, and just a lot of things came against them, and they were really about to give it all up, sell a house, sell everything, and give it up. And then we just happened to come through that weekend, and we bought the word of the Lord. To them. We didn't know anything about their situation then because we usually don't, we don't like to know anything before we go in. But we brought the word of the Lord to them, God's prophecy of what he said, and it gave them hope and life. And literally one month later, they were handed a big church just in the neighbouring town with a house uh, wage and just they are pumping. They have not looked back from that day. But they were at the point, come on, of walking away, of giving it all up, of quitting, come on. But then the word of the Lord. So when you're going through stuff and you've got prophetic words, you need to draw upon those words and hear what God says. Yeah. What does he say? You know, sometimes we just want another prophetic word, another. And it's like, what are you doing with those words? Oh, they're somewhere around. I was like, well, have you listened to him? Has what, have you listened to what God says about your life? What he's spoken over you? What he says about your situation? You know, if you're in a city, what has God spoken about the city that you live in? What has he spoken about? And if you don't have prophetic words, there's so many in the word of God that you can pick up and decree. See, faith sees the unseen. Faith sees it as it already is. And see, that's what the prophetic does. It sees you as you already are. Jesus, when he met people, he always, at times, he prophesied to them. Come on. I love even about when you read the word of God, you see about Simon bought so-and-so and he bought him and he told him. It was all about community, reproducing. You know, someone telling someone else and then they got to Nathaniel and he's the one that's a bit, blah. yeah, Come on. He's kind of the one that says, what good thing could come out of that place? And he sneered, the Bible says. You know, he's got, he's got no faith. He sneers. But you know what? I love that. What happened is the guys ran around and said, look, just come and see. Yeah. No, they didn't try and convince him or argue with him. They're like, come and see. See faith, sees the unseen. So what happens when Jesus sees him? He doesn't go, 
Yeah, well, smarty pants, I'll show you who's boss. Come on. I'll show you who God is. He doesn't just, he prophesies to Nathaniel. He brings a word of encouragement to him. And see, when he meets Peter, he says, your name is this, Simon, but you'll be called Peter the Rock. What's he doing? He's prophesying at who they're going to be. And that's what faith is. It sees it although it's already done. It sees yourself complete. Come on. It sees things that are. So when you're going through stuff, you've got to get a hold of those prophetic words and say, I thank you, Lord. This is how you see me. This is what, you know, for us, we decreed every day over our children that they would never know gross sin, that they'd follow the Lord all the days of their life. And we prayed for whoever they were going to marry. Well, literally, that is what's happened. They have never strayed from the things of God. They have all married equally yoked, married Christian, married as virgins. Come on. They've all followed the Lord every day. They've never, ever, ever walked away from the things of God. We decreed it over their life. Now, beginning with our grandchildren, come on, that they will know somebody's got to stand in the gap and pray. God's word is powerful when you pray it over a situation. But see, we've become this microwave generation. We want everything now. Well, we want it yesterday. We're not prepared to be good for us. There's timing in God. Things aren't just, it's not God knows everything about. He's got our future. It's like a, a spoiled kid. If you give them, every, a child, everything, they just spoil brats. And they're self-entitled. That's how this, a lot of this generation. Self-entitled, everything's about them. Never consider anybody else. Don't, you know, everything's me. They're just so self-centered. We're going to look at selfies. I don't do selfies. I'm just, you know, I want to take a picture with someone, someone take or something in it because I feel like we're so self-absorbed. You know, it's all a selfie. You've got to have a selfie for this. And I remember being at the beach this day at the Gold Coast. Beautiful day. Absolutely beautiful day. This girl sat at the beach for one hour getting the right selfie. I'm like, she's missing out. It's a beautiful day, the beach, the water. Literally, I'm not joking, it was one hour. It's like, holy moly. What a waste of time. One hour sitting there. And here's God's creation, a beautiful day, the beach. And yeah, so anyway, that's just me, my own little, yeah, self. So Hebrews 11.1 one says this, now faith is confidence. And when you look at that, it's a full trust in what we believe. Do you have a confidence, a full trust in what you believe? Come on, it's a question. Do you have a full trust in what you believe? You know, sometimes when we first get saved, we've got that. But as time goes on and things don't happen how we thought, maybe we get a bit hurt or disappointments, we lose that confidence. But you know, God is the same. He never changes. His promises are yes and amen. He's someone you can trust. He's someone you can anchor your life to. Don't go questioning him and doing, well, you can, you know, I've said to people, God made us with emotions and David got mad and sad, and, but he didn't stay in that place. Come on, he got mad with God. He, he, you know, you might as well kill me. He had self-pity and all that. But he poured it out before God. And then he, you see, you only got to look at the whole situation at Ziglag. It's like David and his men have been out fighting him, come back and everything's gone. 
their family's gone, their money's gone, everything's gone. Now, that's pretty devastating. You're out doing that, you come back, everything's gone. And so it says, David and his men wept till they could weep no more. So there is a part of us when disappointment or hard stuff happens or we lose something or lose everything, you need to weep. Because that's part of a grieving part and we need to get that out and do it. And since they wept till they could weep no more. But the difference is, after they wept till they could weep no more, David, it says, then he strengthened himself in the Lord. Come on, he strengthened himself. He wept till he could weep no more. But then David strengthened himself in God. He worshipped. He must probably decree that words. But he strengthened himself in God. And we see the difference. His men never did that. And what happened to his men is they become angry and mad that they want to kill him. See, they stayed in that place of disappointment. They stayed in the natural of the grief. And now grief turns to anger. Grief turns to self-pity. Grief turns to blame. When you've been disappointed, then you want to give up. But David shifted from the grief. He strengthened himself in God. And then he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said, pursue, overtake, and recover all. And they did. So it's a process that we need to do, but you don't stay in grief or anger or disappointment. Or You've got to then strengthen. When you've been through something emotional, a disappointment, a, disgust, a letdown, whatever it is, you have to then deal with your emotions, but then strengthen yourself in God and then inquire what's the next step. Imagine if they had killed him, they'd all got nothing. And that's what happens. I've watched people stay in disappointment and grief. They slowly slip back. Stop coming to church. Stop because... And then it's like they end up bitter. They're in grief. It's a process. But you've got to move past that. Our faith and belief in God is what makes us confident. Belief that he has a power to do what he said he'd do. Come on, you've got to have that belief. And when you're going through something, you've got to seek the Lord. What is the word of the Lord on the situation? How? Hear the voice of God. We had some other friends um, in the U.S. at a particular time as when the U.S. was going through all the housing crisis and people were just ending up. It wasn't worth keeping their houses because... But there was foreclosures everywhere. And then it wasn't worth because their houses were worth less than what they owed to the bank. So they're just all walking away and just going into foreclosure, which is bankruptcy, and just totally. And so our friends were, it had been in a similar place. And financially, it was very difficult for them and hard for them. And so they were convinced because all their friends around about them, a lot of the time, were doing this. And see, you can't just go with the crowd. Just because everyone else, well, it's a tough time. We're all going to foreclose. Let's foreclose. That's good. And all these people are like, oh, we're so relieved now. We don't have this debt. We're foreclosed. We're, we haven't got this around. They're talking about freedom. Our friends, were just, we met with them and they're talking and saying, you know, we really feel that's what we're going to do. There's so much pressure with this. And we, don't, and we really prayed. And I said to Greg, oh, my gosh. I went home that night and I'm like, God's saying don't do it. And I'm like, come on, this thing's because, you know, you know they're at the place they want to do it. And they've made up their mind because their friends have done There's freedom and they're sick of the pressure and all the uncertainty. And, and the Lord's saying, no, 
I'm like, oh, God, please, can you tell him or do something or give him a dream or, you know. But it's like if you want to carry the word of the Lord, you've got to be, we're not, it's like, okay, all right. So we, we had breakfast the next morning and just said, but then I began to ask the Lord, why don't, you know, not just saying don't do it. It's like, why don't you want them to do it? And the Lord began to show me that their future up ahead, that where God was taking them, that this would be something that would come back to bite them. That it would just be something, it would be harmed their future, it would not be good for them. And so we really, we just met we said, look, you know, the Lord has just shown, I just can't shake it, you're not to do it. I said, you have to work, God's got a way. Go back to the bank, go back to, there's a way around this. God's got a way, you've got to seek him, you've got to push through, you have to, you know, don't do this because it's going to affect your future. So they really, when, you know, when it's God, he backs it up. Because the wife was already a little bit uncertain and they knew we're acting out of emotion. See, we're acting out of our emotions. It's been difficult, it's been hard and this seems like it's a get out of jail free. But for them, it would have been a get in jail bad. So what had they just decided? They went back, they worked out something with the bank but he is now in politics. He is a state representative and he is someone who's on all these, uh, what was he first? I'm not, I don't quite understand America. So, but anyway, he's in all these different levels. And they go through your background like anything. Come on. When you're going to get elected, they, you know, the me, everybody goes through. And if they'd had that against their name, come on, it would have been not good because one of the things he was representing, banks and people and his whole thing, this guy is known for his integrity. That's one of the biggest things that people know. He's such a man of God and with integrity and his word is his word. And so we were just back there in May and they just a couple of months ago finally finished all the payments to the bank and they said, oh my gosh, it was, the, it was difficult but it was the best thing and they understand now what the future was. Come on, sometimes quitting on something can seem the easy thing. Come on, it can seem you know, the easy thing because you're worn out emotionally or you've been hurt or you've been discouraged and quitting seems the quick fix. But it's not, come on, when you seek the Lord, yeah. Nehemiah, listen to Nehemiah 6 verse 3, 9. It's a verse, sorry, it's Nehemiah 6, 3. It's this is when Nehemiah is building the wall. And you've got to understand when you start to build something for God, the enemy comes in to discourage you. And it's usually when you're getting close to completion or when you're close to a breakthrough. So Nehemiah's there. They've nearly finished the wall, but the enemy's scheming, trying to harm him and scare him to quit. See, the enemy wants you to quit. He doesn't want you to make it. If you want to live the fullness of God, you have to go all the way. Come on, you can't. We're in a marathon. We're not in a hundred um, meter dash. We're in a marathon and you've got to push through pain. You've got to keep going to live. You want to get the fullness. Come on. We all know you can run a marathon, 41.8 kilometers, two, whatever it is. Greg knows he's done it. Anyway, you could run, what is it? 41.2. Okay. You can run 41 kilometers. But if you don't do that point two, you don't get the finishers medal. Come on, what you get is a DNF. And a DNF is did not 
did not finish. Come on, and a runner, asked my husband, never wants to get a DNF. You gotta, if you're, if you're just, come on, you'll get over that line because you know unless you cross the line, you don't get the breakthrough. And so Nehemiah is here and they're nearly finished and this is what happened. The enemy's trying to come around, getting him to quit. He doesn't want that wall to be finished. He doesn't want the fullness of God's purpose to be finished. And so what happens, he says, this is what Nehemiah says. So I sent messages to them with this reply. I love his reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down to you. In other words, get out of here, devil. Come on. That's what he says. I, because he took what he was doing for God serious. He took his call serious. He took his purpose serious. And he says, I haven't got time to come down here to you because he understood I'm carrying a great work for God. I'm doing a great work. And he says, I cannot come down. And this is what he says. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? I love that attitude. He's like, devil, you're not even worth coming down to. And see, that's what you have to do when the thoughts and things come that are contrary, when the negativity comes, when the disappointment. You've got to say, devil, I'm carrying out a great work for God and I haven't got time to come down and listen to your rubbish. In other words, get rid of the thoughts before they take seed. You know what I was saying, sharing with the group the other day, I was saying that if you know on your computer a virus comes in on an email, are you going to open that virus up and let it affect your whole computer? No, you're not going to, are you? Someone's done it. <laughs> we all fall for it. Click that button. But when you know, what do you do with that? You delete it as quick as you can off that computer. See, you have to understand, when a negative thought comes, when something comes contrary to the word of God, this is what's happening with Nehemiah. He hits delete. Yeah. He's not even going to entertain the thought in his mind. He's not going to allow it to take root in his mind. He's like, get out of here, devil, because he understood what God had called him to do and he understood that God's work was important. He doesn't entertain it. He doesn't quit the work. He just says, I've got no time for you. You know what? I don't know anyone who's quit and succeeded. Do you? Come on. Anyone that quits and succeeds. You know, Nehemiah, the interesting about Nehemiah, he wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a minister. Yeah, you know, He wasn't like he's this great prophet or some great. In, he was someone who heard the word of God. He was a bartender. <laughs> Come on. He was someone who heard the word of God. He believed what he heard and he was confident in the mission and that he was going to accomplish something incredible for God. And see, sometimes we start off like that. We hear the word of God, we hear, but then disappointments, discourage, negative, and we give up. We entertain these things. But you've got to have a resolve that quitting is not an option. Come on, you have to have it in your heart. Every time, I will never quit. Quitting is not an option. And once you have that, quitting is not an option. So it says down in verse 4, four times 
They sent the same message. And you just want to laugh at that? The devil's got no new, anything new. He's not even smart enough to bring a new message. Four times he brings the same stupid message. But you know what? Some of us, we fall for it. The same, if you look back, I'm going to talk a little bit on Sunday night about identity. When the devil came from the beginning, he robbed Eve and Adam of their identity and their purpose, and he tried to do the same with Jesus. But Jesus knew who he was. He knew his purpose, and it didn't happen. So the devil has no new trick. Four times he comes with the same message. And he says, they sent me the same message, and each time I gave the same answer. Don't you love his confidence? The same answer. I'm carrying out our great work for God. Get out of here, devil. I'm not going to come down. I'm not going to stop the work of God. See, he's confident in his call and his anointing and his purpose in God. The devil, I'm not going to entertain your lies. I'm not going to be stopped. I'm not going to quit. I'm not even going to come down. And let, listen to this. This just tops it all off. He goes on and he says this. Then the fifth time. Five times. Sambalat sent his aid to me with the same message. So he sends someone else, but it's still the same message. How dumb is that? Just a different hand, yeah. And in his hand was an unsealed letter. So he tries to make it look important now. An unsealed letter. This is something you better. Well, he didn't hear, but maybe he'll do this. See, the devil never gives up. It says that, that um, Jesus resisted him until he fled. How many times you got to resist him? Till he flees, till he leaves, till he disappears. And then it says, this was my reply. So he's, he's had enough now. He says, I replied to him and said, nothing like what you're saying is happening. In other words, devil, you're a liar because he's the father of all lies. So he says, nothing what you said is happening. He says, you're just making it up out of your head. Isn't that good? Let me get if we just go back to the devil and said, nothing like what you're saying, devil, is going to happen because I have a promise from God. I have a purpose. I have a destiny. Come on. And you're just making up lies. And devil, I'm not going to quit because it's not an option. I'm carrying out a great work for God. Whatever you're called to do, you're carrying out a great work for God and you have to resolve in your heart that quitting is not an option. And he says this, see his understanding in verse 9, they were all trying to frighten us. That's what the enemy does. He comes with fear. His biggest weapon is fear. They were all trying to frighten us thinking, listen to this, that our hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. That's the enemy's plan. He comes with the same message, the same garbage, and he tries to put fear in you so that you won't complete the work that God's called you to do. But what did he do? He says, but I prayed. But I prayed. 
What do some of us do? We listen to the word of God, the word of the enemy, and then we negotiate it out. Well, maybe I wasn't called. Maybe this Christianity stuff isn't for me. Maybe this church isn't for me. Maybe the whole church isn't for me. Come on. We, that's what he does. He, does he slowly wears you down and wears you down. That over years then, your faith is not what it used to be. Now you're only going to church every now. You don't have the same faith. You're not up there believing the same thing because he's worn you down and he's worn you down. But Nehemiah just kept going back. I'm carrying out a great work. And what does he do? His answer is, like uh, David, but I pray. Come on. He strengthened himself in God. And it says this. What did he say to God? Now strengthen my hands. He says, God, strengthen my hands. See, you have to have it in your heart. Quitting is not an option. You've got to remove it from your thoughts. You've got to, I'm not going to stop the work of the enemy. See, the biggest battle, like I said, is in your mind. The enemy wants to overtake your mind. He wants you to wear you down. Come on. He wants you to get to a place that I can't take it anymore. I love what the Bible says. It says you've got to capture your thoughts. Too many of us let the thoughts wander around in our head. The Bible says, capture those thoughts. Don't let them run around in your head. Oh, I think I should quit. Maybe I wasn't called to this. Oh, maybe there's a better job. Oh, maybe um, this Christian thing's not for me. Oh, maybe it's just lies. No, you capture the thought and you cast it out. Come on, you deal with it. It's a virus. You've got to delete it. You've got to put it in the bin. You capture it. You don't let them run around in your head and take anger because then it gets into your heart and changes you. You know, even Jesus needed strengthening. So if you understand... David had to strengthen himself after great disappointment. Nehemiah building the wall. He had to pray and he asked God, strengthen my hand. Because even though he had a resolve and he kept saying it, he was feeling, I'm feeling weakened. Come on. He understood. This is the devil trying to stop me from building. So he prayed, God, strengthen my hands. But see, Jesus, he got to the place. And in Matthew 26, 39, it says this. Three times he asked the Lord and he said, if this cup could pass me by. See, I believe in the natural, Jesus is now feeling the pressure. He's human like us. He's willing to do it, but he's understanding the enormity and what's going to happen and what he's going to have to do. And he prayed and he asked the Lord, please, if this cup, so much, he's praying in such anguish. The church talks about that he drips blood. And in Luke 22, 41 says this, he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed saying, Father, if it is your will, take this. See, this is the difference. If it's your will. He's not saying, oh, let me out of this, let me escape. He's praying according to the will of God. If it's your will, Father, take... So we can pray that when you're going through something. God, if it's your will, take this away. I begin to understand that fire is a part of the process. It burns the rubbish off my life. It takes all the, the rubbish out and produces the gold in our life. And so when you understand, when you're going through a fire, 
If this is a God fire, then I want to get through it as quick as I can. I don't want to dance around the beginning of it. I don't want to say, can I go in? Should I go in? What should I do? I need to discern. God, is this your will? Is this a fire I have to walk through? Because if it is, you'll go through the fire and you will come out not even smelling of smoke. That's the promises of God. But sometimes we don't want to go through. But the fire, so he says, if it's no, he says, if it's your will, take this cup away. But nevertheless, he says, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven. And what did he do? Strengthened him. Here it is again. Come on, strengthen him. The angel of the Lord come and strengthen him. And then we know from then, Jesus received the confidence to do what was ahead of him. And he's come out. He said to his disciples, my hour has come. My betrayer is at hand. So he got the peace from God. Okay, God, really? I don't want to do, I'm feeling this, but not my will but yours. God sent an angel and gave. See, God sends us strength when we need it. Nehemiah said, strengthen my hand. David said, strengthen me. He strengthened himself in God. So understanding the Bible says, when you go through a fire, when you go through a flood, you're going to go through stuff. It's part of the, you're going to go through stuff even if you're not a Christian. But I praise God, I've got him in the stuff. Can you imagine going through the stuff and not having God, not having a hope, not having a future? There's stuff you have to walk through and a lot of it, some of it's for you, some of it's part of what God's doing for your future. Joseph had to be in that prison. He had to go through all that stuff to do what God had called him to do. You know, it's interesting, as I was preparing this message, I read a story about the Navy SEALs and they have a week called Hell Week in the Navy SEALs. Well, listen, it's a training and listen to this. It says this about Hell Week. Hell Week is designed to weed out those who are not the best of the best. In fact, two-thirds of the candidates do not make it. During Hell Week, a bell is stationed outside the dining room hall. When you feel the pressure is too great, the physical task is too demanding, the fatigue too overwhelming, the muscles too sore, you can call it quits by simply ringing the bell. See, quitting's easy. It says this, you don't have to explain yourself to anybody. No one will ask any questions. You ring the bell, you go back to the barracks, you eat a hot meal and a bus will take you back to where you came from. Think about it. If you want out of the Navy SEAL program, you can exercise your quit option at any time. But listen to this. The ones that make it said this. Ringing the bell was not an option. They said, don't you dare ring that bell. Ringing the bell is not an option. The guys that made it removed the quitting option. Come on, because there's times you'll feel fatigued. You'll feel hurt. You'll feel disappointed. You'll feel that the task is too much. You'll feel worn out. You'll feel like I can't handle anymore. You will feel all these things when you're doing something for the Lord. Well, I reckon you feel them in life anyway. But at least when you're doing something for God, you've got, well, I'm doing something good. I'm making a difference. I'm doing something. So you will feel all these things. But if you always had the quitting as an option, 
house in the countryside. You'd be bored when you got there. <laughs> Come on. That option, if you've got the option to quit out all the time, then you'll always be looking to that option. And when you understand, it was so empowering to hear the ones that made it, quitting was never an option. They removed the bell. Let's stand tonight. Galatians 6, 9 tells us this. So let us not get tired of doing what's good. Because at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of a blessing if you don't give up. That's what the Word of God says. Let us not get tired and weary of doing good. Because you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Like I said, you will get weary. There will be disappointments. There'll be setbacks. There's often great betrayal. There's things that you don't understand. There's things that seem so unfair. But you have to resolve if you know the Lord and you know that He's given you hope and a future and a purpose, you just got to keep going. But if you continually have that, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to do this. I'm not strong enough. It's never going to work out. You'll keep defaulting to that. Like the Navy SEALs, when it got tough and hard, if you're thinking about the comfort, the, the food, and maybe I wasn't made for this. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, that bell's there. Wow, I just got to ring that bell. But how sad is it when you read that? You'll get a nice warm meal and the bus will take you back to where you come from. Back to your past. And that's what the devil wants to do. Take you back. Come on. He wants you to quit, to ring that bell and go back. But even when you read that story, that part, it's like, oh my gosh, what if you made it? Hell week, you got to six days. The pain's so bad, you're sore, you're tired, you're cold, whatever. And then you get on the bus and you go back to where you come from. Well, what was that six days of pain and hell for? You might as well keep going. There's a saying around the Christian world, it's like, if you're going through hell, then don't stop. It's not a good place to park your car in hell, okay? You've got to keep going. you just got to resolve. And this weekend, living in the fullness. If you want to live in the fullness of God, one thing I can tell you is once I, we made a decision, we're never going to quit. If it's for one person, then we'll keep going. We'll keep going. Whatever God's called us to do, if it's three people, we'll keep going. Whatever the season, we'll keep going. Because we know we're called and we've got a purpose. So you have to resolve in your heart what God's called you to do. And if you've made a commitment to follow the Lord all the days of your life, if you've made a commitment.
to what the interesting is so many Christians that have been going what I'm, one thing I've noticed they've been full on for God and then they've had enough and give up they go and smoke and drink what is that?
something has pushed your light on and you're like, I'm removing that option tonight. I will never quit. I will never give up on my call. I will never give up on my purpose. Now, Father, I thank you that you're empowering lives tonight, that we are not quitters. We are not one of those that shrink back. We are not one of those that give in, Father. We will finish. We will not ring that bell. I'm going to live in the fullness because the Word of God said that if I don't quit, if I don't give up, I will be richly rewarded. Come on. I will be richly rewarded. Now, Father, release it tonight. Release it into the lives tonight. Release it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, receive it. Receive it. God's removing the negativity. He's removing those failures. He's removing those options to quit tonight. Come on. He's removing it from your vocabulary right now. He's removing it. Come on. Some of you getting free tonight. You're like, yeah, I've been living under this lie. I've been living under. And it's like, when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. So for some of you, it's like truth's coming into your life tonight. And it's setting you free. Come on. It's setting you free. I will never quit. Devil, you can come around with your lies, but I will not quit. I'm going to finish my race. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Now give the Lord a victory shout. We're decreeing it. Up to three, we're going to say, I am not a quitter. Come on. One, two, three. I am not a quitter. Come on. I will not quit. Come on. I will not quit. You've got to make that in your vocabulary. You've got to have that in your words that God's got for you. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to, are they recording the words or the people need to record them? Okay, so you've got your phone. Just have your phone ready. So I'm just going to flow. This lady here, I met you earlier. What's your name, sweetie? Mandy? May. May. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for May right now. I thank you for your pouring out, your anointing. God's filling you afresh, May. He's giving you a fresh anointing, a fresh impartation. You were meant to be here tonight. Come on. God wants you to be here. You've been in a place of frustration. You've been in a place of just difficult things. And you've been like, God, I've had enough. You've been trying to push through and push through. But it seems the more you push through, things have been stacked up against you. It feels like there's just been a lot of things in this last season. And the Lord says, daughter, the enemy's been trying to wear you down and wear you down. He's coming around with the same lies, the same rubbish, the same thing. And God says, now I'm empowering you to deal with him and say, get out of here, devil. You're just a liar. Nothing like that's going to happen. Lord's breaking fear off your life tonight. There's just been some areas where he's tried to come in. Just a few things. But God says, daughter, you know the truth and the truth is setting you free. And God says, you're going to run the race. You're going to finish. You run the marathon. Come on. You run and you run and you shake it off stuff and shaking off stuff and push back and push back but the enemy knows you're close to a major breakthrough come on just like Nehemiah a place of completion a place of completing what God has had for this season which will bring an incredible breakthrough and a victory and he's just trying to wear you down but Lord tonight God's strengthening your hands Father I thank you tonight that you're strengthening 
strengthening her hands for the work ahead. You're strengthening her. She's strengthening herself in you tonight, Father. And she's got the very thing that the enemy tried to come against you. God says, you're going to use it as a sword and you're going to go back at him. God says, I'm strengthening. Your hands have felt weak. They felt heavy and weak. But God says, tonight, I'm strengthening your hands to complete the work. Now, Father, bring a fresh anointing upon her life tonight. Father, charge her afresh in your Holy Spirit. Charge her with your power tonight. Lord, what she's doing, you're carrying out a great work. It's an important work. It's a great work. It's an important work. God, wants you to understand that? A great, important work for Him. Now tonight, He's renewing your strength and He's revitalizing you to finish what He's called you to do right now. In Jesus' name, Father, release it. Thank you, Jesus. There's a lovely young lady here, full of life. What's your name, sweetie? Sally. Thank you, Father. Is this your husband? Yes. What's your name, sir? 